Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. This week, I'm recapping some special episodes from this year, from season two. We did an episode like this last year where we recapped season one, and I knew that I wanted to do another one like this to recap this year. And I'll tell you, it kind of blows my mind sometimes that I'm even a podcaster and that I've had more than 80 shows and so many guests and really that we've just been so consistent with putting out content. And it's it's something that I'm just super proud of and um, excited to celebrate here today. There aren't many parts of a job that are so tangible to see output like that, but it's fun to see as a creator for me to see a growing list of content every week and to be able to measure it with the downloads and feedback from listeners. And it isn't something that I take for granted. And I I truly love this part of my job. I've said this before, but one of the reasons that I have this podcast is to align with my core value of advocacy to amplify voices that are different than mine. In addition to that, this podcast serves as a way for me to meet my core value of growth, to learn from and to be in community with so many new people, both guests and listeners. So a few stats, we have over 20,000 downloads of the podcast so far, and we've hit the top podcast charts in several countries this year and the categories for career and business in lots of different spots from top 100 to top 20 in countries like Canada, Australia, the UAE, and the US. 
the process of, of the podcast is just so fun and it's so fulfilling to me. And this episode specifically was really fun and the making of it. It, it serves as a reminder of me of the work that we did all of this last year. And so it's almost like an internal reflection of all of that and all the amazing connections that we've made. And to create this episode, my podcast manager, Samantha, and I took a look at the most downloaded episodes in addition to episodes that we just love doing. And that process in itself is so fun just to see which ones got the most downloads and to see what topics that you are all interested most as an audience. So in this episode, I'll recap some of your favorites and some of our favorites, and you'll hear snippets of each of them. So the first one that I want to highlight is a solo episode, number 45, prioritizing your values. It was important for me to do that episode because I wanted to show you how you can utilize your values to evaluate and make decisions. As a coach and consultant, I have autonomy on what I get to work on, and I love that. But I can also take on too much, and I utilize my values as a framework to decide what work to do. So in this clip of the episode, I set the stage for how I evaluated a new opportunity to teach at a university. And here's the spoiler alert. I did decide to take on this opportunity, and it has been so fulfilling. And my role there has actually expanded and I'm working now with uh, the graduate school as well uh, in the psychology department for organizational psychology. And it is fulfilling because, because it does align. It aligns with my values. So I want you to listen in here on the things that I thought about at this time to make that decision for myself. And I hope that you can utilize your values to prioritize important work and decisions as well. Let's listen. About a year ago, we launched the catch group and time has flown by. I've gotten the question recently, how do you prioritize different opportunities, especially now that I'm balancing the priorities of my business? So I wanted to give you a recent example of how an opportunity presented itself and how I use my values to make a decision to prioritize an opportunity. Okay. So in my business, I generally spend time in a few ways one-on-one coaching for executives, group coaching for executives, and working with senior teams and organizations to build the leaders within their company. And I do that in a number of ways, like senior leader assessments, leadership coaching, people manager training, or building their culture aligned to their values, mission, and vision. I'm also creating content like this podcast. I'm also writing a book. So lots of different things. And as I reflect on my values, many of my values have been met through the work that I do. So for my values of growth, there's a lot of task variety that I get to do. There's learning new industries through new client work, meeting new challenges that clients have. For my value of development, which is building the capability of my clients, I get to do that every single day. I'm also able to meet my value of advocacy through this podcast by amplifying voices that are different than mine and as an entrepreneur for paying women-owned and BIPOC-owned businesses to partner with. I also have a flexible schedule. I get to work from home most of the time, and that's meeting my value of family and balance, balance through getting that much-needed alone time through walks and exercise. I felt more fulfilled this year than I ever have in my career. And it's a really great place to be. 
at the end of last year, I was asked to teach a class. In the next episode we are highlighting from season two is episode 51, Mindset, the best medicine for burnout with Dr. Shelley Bomick. Burnout is a topic that listeners want to hear more about. They want to understand how to prevent it, avoid it, to heal from it. This is a great episode to listen to in its entirety if you haven't, or to re-listen to it if you haven't listened to it in a while. Especially as we close out the year, more than likely you'll be doing a lot as per usual, and you can use this time to get some actionable tips from Dr. Bomek on how to understand the signs of burnout, the power of mindset, and how leaders can support others when they're experiencing burnout and stress. In this clip, you'll hear Dr. Bomek talk about the importance of your thoughts when it comes to burnout. In psychology, this is actually called the cognitive triad. So it's this basic idea of your thoughts leading to your feelings and then your feelings leading to your actions and then the process repeating itself. So literally everything comes back down to your thoughts. The things that you are thinking in your in your head, that is impacting everything that you do, all the actions that you take. And so if you can kind of get back to that, you know, to that source, to that basic thought and start to untangle that, that's when the real work can happen. So yeah, it's, being able to take a four day vacation is, it's amazing. You know, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take any opportunity to do that. But yeah, this is, it takes work. It takes work. It takes time, but you can do it. And I think that's the most empowering part of this. It is absolutely something that you can get a handle on. Next, we are highlighting episode 53, being aware of your inner critic with April Grandomenico. I love getting to know April so much, who is a senior sales leader. She is so relatable and open to talk about her career and her experiences. And speaking of relatable, April shared so much about a very relatable topic, your inner critic. I mean, if that's not relatable, I don't know what is. I think that's why it's one of our most downloaded episodes of the season. We all have an inner critic. And sometimes that inner critic can put you in a tailspin. I know that from personal experience. So listen to this part of the episode where April talks about her inner critic and gives us actionable tips on what you can do to use to help rather than hinder you. One of the struggles that I've always had is with my inner critic. It took me a long time to really understand that persona and to accept it. Um, I, I let that inner critic for a long time almost give me anxiety. Nothing was good enough. I questioned every piece of work that I put out there. And then I, I, through my coach, I realized that, you know, this inner critic, it's a narrative that I'm putting in my head. It's me. And the inner critic is great as long as I use it as a tool, but I can't let the inner critic take over. And what I would say for women is just take some time in a quiet room to be aware of your inner critic. Name your persona if you need to. But don't let that inner critic and those narratives that we feed to ourselves diminish your, your courage. And you, you don't let that to squash what you can be. I love that. And how do you know when your inner critic, are there trigger points? I often, um, when I even get off of like a conference call, sometimes I can automatically hear, oh, you shouldn't have said it that way. You should have phrased 
um, your purpose in a different way. And it can be very beneficial to learn from yourself, right? And to play with that and to create a fun space for yourself to go, ooh, how would I do that next time? But if you're not going to play with it and make it productive, it becomes degrading. And you start losing, you know, you start losing confidence in yourself. And that's when it's bad. We are going to episode number 54, where my book coach, Lauren Marie Fleming, interviews me about my new book, Values First. I picked this episode on purpose because I want to celebrate the fact that this year I put a book into the world, y'all, and you guys helped me make it a best-selling book. You've helped me amplify it so that we can make even more impact. And in this clip, Lauren asked me about the Values First framework, which the book is based on. Did you know that it wasn't always called that or that it was in a different order than it appears in the book? Listen now to hear more about it. So tell me about this framework. Let's talk. Let's delve into the framework that we're going to learn in the book. Absolutely. So Values First framework is a framework that I was working with, but not in this specific structure until the book, really. So I've been an executive coach for over 10 years now in different corporations. And um, it's not until recently that I've been out on my own doing this. And so, you know, I've used different assessments and just there's so many tools out there. But what I love about this is just its simplicity. And what I have found is that if you can identify what matters most to you, it can help you clarity of how to spend your time, how to build boundaries around it that'll keep you more motivated to do it, how to build a culture and to lead with your authentic self. And then how to navigate through some of that conflict. And then ultimately um, what the framework does is teaches you how to sustain this thing that you've just built for yourself. So the values first framework kind of does all of that. And I mentioned before, I've kind of always lived a life sort of by my values. And I think if you asked anybody that's ever reported to me or been on my team or that some of this content will be similar, will, will be in line with you know, how I lead. And so that's the framework that I built was the framework that I've used for so many years and then started coaching people on. So it starts with your values first, identifying values. Then you get into auditing your time. So how are your values showing up? Then we create boundaries through life boundaries to ensure that you're living those. And then um, the next step is uplifting others in terms of creating the culture to motivate and inspire. Then through experiencing conflict, you learn different exercises to uphold your values, to keep your values intact, and then to sustain them. The next episode that we'll highlight is number 68, From Perfection to Courage with Patricia Arboleda. This was another one of the most downloaded episodes of the season, again, because I think it is so relatable. This episode delves into Patricia's story, which is one of a big global corporate career and raising a son and her evolution from defining success as perfection and getting to that next level at work to transitioning to defining success through courage to taking new chances and making different decisions and letting go of perfection. In this clip, she talks about why so many people, especially women, are now setting their own terms at work. Let's listen. So I have seen 
You know how um, they're saying that with the pandemic, we have had the great resignation, right? I have read and I call it not only the great resignation, but the great awakening for some of us, right? Because one of the things that I have noticed and many women come to me saying, okay, I know that this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. I want to connect with something that has purpose, or I want to work in a company that that aligns with my purpose, that has the same values, right? So there is a lot of that going on right now where we're saying enough is enough. It's time for me to do something in a different way. And I'm, I'm finding a lot of that, you know, um, women that, I mean, they had the opportunity to be at home, with, be with their kids. They know what it is. And they're saying, I want to set my own terms at work. This is what I want to do. And so, and they're actually taking action um, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the things that we work. And that doesn't mean leaving corporate. It means probably finding the job that you really like instead of settling for the things that you don't like, being able to say, I don't like this. What I would love to do is to go to that other organization, which is going to enable me to do what I really am strong at and motivates me. In the next episode, we are talking to Madeline Mendoza about negotiating your career advancement. And this is one of my favorites of the season. And Madeline talks about so many different things that we can negotiate when it comes to new job opportunities, both inside and outside the organization. Whether you are negotiating for a new job at a new company or a promotion within your current company. And in this episode, we talked about so many things, but when we think about negotiating, often we're only thinking about salary. And in this clip, she gives us some great advice on defining your non-negotiables. And she brings up one of the most overlooked things to be negotiated, your professional development. Let's listen. You have to kind of come up with a list of non-negotiables, right? So yes, it could be a ton of different things you could think about beyond the salary, but then also narrow it down to what is really important to you. What are some things that you absolutely have to have in an offer and start there? And then everything else would just be extra. So if you do have children, maybe that's a non-negotiable for you, or if you have aging parents, or if you, um, if you need to relocate and you need re relocation fees or whatever your situation is. And you, you could also think of it as where are you currently in your job and what are the benefits that you currently have? Right. So that's also a baseline for you. You kind of don't want to go backwards in the next position. You only want to move forward, but you have, you alone could decide for yourself based on your situation what are your must-haves and what it is that you are willing to walk away from or be more flexible on. So I also want to throw that in so that candidates don't get overwhelmed with all the options that there could be. Just be more strategic and intentional when it comes to your job search. I love that idea of um, non-negotiable and it, and it brings me back to something you said a little bit ago of just this idea of boundaries. Like, what do you need um, I love this idea of if I've had it here, I'm not going back, not doing that, <laughs> not going back. We're only getting equal or better things in this new opportunity. So I love thinking that around what boundaries do you need to have around your 
negotiation around the things that you ask for and what are non-negotiables. The other thing that you mentioned a minute ago, um, this idea of professional development, that is, oh my goodness, I love that idea so much. I love professional development. I'm all about it. Take me to a conference or a workshop or let me take some classes, you know, because I think especially as leaders, you have to have to have to continuously develop your craft. You have to be, you know, our world is changing. Innovation is at the forefront. Companies who really hone in on this professional development, it really is a skill and a, and a, and a way of being. Leaders who do that really end up thriving in their spaces. So you know, for women of color entering the spaces. I mean, there's so many challenges that you go through as a woman of color because your peers don't look like you at these levels, right? So you kind of go through those challenges. So you don't, you also don't want to worry about your professional skills and, and, and who you are as a professional. So these developmental activities that you could do is, is only to make you a stronger leader. So companies should have the funding to support those activities. Next, we are revisiting episode number 79, The Waymakers with Tara J. Frank. I loved this episode so much because I learned so much from following Tara on LinkedIn and from reading her book, The Waymakers. This is one of my favorite things about being a podcast host. I get to talk to some of my favorite authors. If you haven't gotten this book yet, add it to your list, whether you are new to leadership or a seasoned HR professional, you'll learn so much about how to be a way maker and to make way for workplace equity. In this clip, Tara breaks down the problem with traditional sponsorship in the workplace and walks us through what we need to do instead. Don't forget to grab this book and better yet, give it as a gift to someone else. In the book, you talked about coaching. You talked about um, being a sponsor and a mentor. I have a question for you on sponsor and mentor. There's some people who think, you know, only good sponsorships or mentorships are built as organic, right? So we start to work together, a connection is formed, we follow up and all that good stuff. What is your opinion there? Um, as we, you know, talk about bias too, the people that we're mentoring often look like us, often have our same experience as us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do you reconcile that and build sponsorship, mentorship as a way maker? Yeah. So you probably already know because you've been in the book that I find this notion that sponsors will tap you on the shoulder at some magical hour when they see you're ready as hugely problematic. It is disempowering for black and brown people and for women, white women too, in many environments, because what it essentially says is that you need to sit back and do all the things you can possibly imagine doing at an 11 on a scale of one to 10 in perpetuity until someone notices you and deems you worthy of their advocacy. I hate that paradigm, to be honest. And it has bothered me in the past when women, and it has been mostly white women, have perpetuated that idea that you don't ask for that kind of advocacy or support. You just go to work and be amazing and people will notice you and then select you as worthy of their you know, credibility. 
So I want to break that model. One of the reasons why I wrote The Waymakers the way I did is because I want to break that, that model. Sponsorship is critical, but the way we think about it as some kind of tap you on the shoulder exercise is an issue. It's an issue because we do not enjoy as many cross-racial cross-gender relationships as we should. And when we don't enjoy those cross-difference relationships, you are not going to be tapped. Because first of all, I don't know you. I don't know much about you. I don't know what you aspire to. I don't know what you've contributed. I don't understand your results. I don't have common ground with you. And in the absence of all of those things, you have virtually no advantage. And then I'm going to ask you to sit there and wait for somebody to magically see you. So yeah, that is an issue for me. Instead, what I'd like is for every leader to realize and recognize that they have an opportunity to lead forward with greater intention, that they have to build cross-difference relationships on purpose, that creating psychological safety is actually a job in and of itself for them to do, Uh, versus believing, well, I've not done anything to harm anyone, so I don't know why people wouldn't feel psychologically safe, right? All of this requires intention and courage and deliberate action. Lastly, I had to end this season two recap with my discussion with Amanda Knox. This episode is one that I definitely didn't start the year thinking would ever take place. This wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. And it is a connection that happened through networking. I was introduced to Amanda through a well-trusted mutual contact, and he knew that it would be a mutually beneficial connection for both of us. So I followed up and we had a coffee chat on Zoom. And before that meeting was over, I asked her to be a guest on the podcast. And she said yes immediately. This is a lesson for me specifically and not hesitating to ask for something. Um, You never know. It could happen. So Amanda was so wonderful to speak to and to share space with. I hope that you've listened to that podcast in its entirety. We talked about everything from being mothers to the boundaries that she keeps, how she has an integrated life. And in this clip, you'll hear her talk about belonging. When I first came home from prison, I thought I was the only wrongly convicted person ever. Or if I wasn't the only wrongly convicted person ever, I was never going to meet someone else like that. Like how, when, how would I ever meet someone? And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to, because very honestly, being a wrongly convicted person by definition means that the worst experience of your life just suddenly happened to you for no reason. Like you had nothing to do with it. And so the idea of like getting invested in a movement that about the criminal justice system for someone like me, who was like, I'm a poetry student. I'm, I, you know, I like, I like foreign languages. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to go to law school. Like that's not my, that's not my world. I, I sort of convinced myself that maybe I didn't belong. And what ended up happening is I was really struggling for many years after I came home. And finally, my mom convinced me to go to one of these conference events put on by the Innocence Network. And when I got there, I found myself surrounded by hundreds of people, wrongly convicted people, mostly men, 
mostly men who are much older than me, men of color, men who had spent decades in prison for crimes they didn't commit in this country. And it was the first time in my life that after I came home from prison that I felt like I was home because suddenly I was surrounded by people who I didn't know existed, who knew exactly how I felt. And I did not have to explain myself. And to this day, it is a breath of fresh air every time I come into a room with other wrongfully convicted people. They are they're my family that I never knew existed. And it's so fulfilling to get together with them like I did this past weekend to share our stories and um, and find commonalities and find common purpose and just try to pass our good fortune forward. So my friends, there you have it. Our recap episode of season two. I want to thank Samantha from SME Podcast Management for partnering with me this year. I could not have done it without you. You are the best. So cheers to a year of connection, inspiration, and action taking. And stay tuned for next week, where we'll talk about what's coming up for season three of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast in 2023. Remember, your leadership belongs here. You belong in the C-Suite. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.